Hello, and welcome to Order Within, navigating a world of endless chaos and crisis. Many of us are experiencing inner turmoil, insecurity, anxiety, fears, and isolation. These feelings are only being amplified by news cycles, social media, and never-ending political madness. How do we find our way out of the chaos? How do we find strength within ourselves? How do we find meaning in a world driven by materialism? These questions and many more I aim to answer on the show. My goal is to be a trusted guide on your journey to selfhood. May you find what you seek. Hello and welcome everyone. I'm your host, Brandon Ward, back with another episode of Order Within. We've got a fantastic guest today. I'm excited to have her on the show. Mary Grothy is with us. Mary is the Chief Revenue Officer at PI HCM, which is Payroll Network Incorporated. She's the founder and former CEO of House Revenue. She's an openly faith-based leader, entrepreneur, global keynote speaker, and the host of podcast Destination Remarkable, which is also the name of her book. The Dark Side of Success is the, the follow-on sub subset of that. So, Mary, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. Of course. I'm excited to talk to you. I, you know, it's it's fun for me always diving in the weeds, particularly with faith-based individuals, how they kind of navigate their faith in the world of the business world, professional world of success. There it it can be challenging. And so, you know, we've we've had a bit of a, a virtual relationship now for quite some time because we've been in the revenue space for a bit together as HubSpot World. Um but really, I'm excited to talk to you about your book and, and the work that you've done as a, as a faith-based leader. So how are you feeling today? So good. My book officially launched yesterday. That's what I thought. It's an unbelievable weight, I think. Not that it was heavy, but that the lead up to this, it's been a year and a half almost. And to finally see it out in the wild and know that all the people who pre-ordered or kitty their copy... It's crazy feeling to know that my story is going to be read by many people and that it's exciting. It's exciting. So yeah, this morning is a really neat feeling. I'm like, okay, we, we hit that milestone. That's good. That's awesome. That's exciting. I, I can imagine the anticipation. It's a, I know it's a lot of work, the process that can go into it. So I, I bet it does feel good having it done and, and released. So congratulations on that. Thank you. How how long how long have you been working on your book? Like this has kind of been something you've been percolating on a bit, yeah? Or it has. So I I self publish I self published a couple of books when I was younger, and that process is a little bit easier <laughs> because <laughs> you're not dealing with a publisher and an editor and a designer and a writing team and publicist and the whole yeah. When I self published, I was grateful to just write it double check it. I hope there weren't really any typos. Publish it, get it out there and use it. Just walk around with it like a business card. And and that was great. And, and that served me earlier in my career. But I did have a feeling that I wanted to be published and actually work with a publisher. And that's a goal that I had. Well, in 2020, I part of my story is I was the number one sales rep with a big Fortune 1000 payroll company back in 2008 and nine. And that's a really attractive part of my story. I've done a lot of keynotes on that. I've done a lot of sales coaching, sales training. And so that's, that's part of what I'm known for. And anywho, in 2020, I got aligned with a very famous sales author. And I signed on with him as my book coach. Loved my story. Loved everything that I had produced and been doing on the sales coaching and training side. And he helped me write a manuscript, but it was really focused on how to be a number one salesperson, which I understand that that is a desire of many people in the profession. And I'm grateful I had the opportunity to do that. But I didn't feel right telling that story without telling the whole story because there's so much more to me than just that one chapter of my life. And so when I wrote this manuscript, I detailed out my traumatic childhood and my upbringing and all the things that I really believe set me up to have that career, fully supporting myself since I was 15. Like there's a lot of survivalist uh, mentality that I have. And anyway, high figure it out factor, a lot of things that 
I think really great salespeople have. So I wanted to give the backstory. Like this is kind of important. If you can't just pick up a book and be like, if I do these 10 things, I'm going to be a number one sales rep. And I wrote the story. And then part of my story is my testimony and coming to Christ, which is obviously like the most important story. So I had built this book. And what I wanted to do in this was tell the story about being a top sales performer, but some of the lessons I learned throughout that, because I actually wasn't like the nicest person during that time. And Mm. I didn't see, yeah, okay. So I put put together this book. I'm actually really proud of it. I think it reads really well. I paid to get um, a book designer working on it, like internal design. I didn't know books, like you can get an internal book designer. That's the thing. So Wait, did you show your book yet, by the way? Have you shown it? No, because this is about a book I didn't publish. Oh, I'll get gotcha, it. gotcha, gotcha. Soon. So they did like the internal design and everything was super cool. I'm like this very famous sales author pitched this book to his publisher, who I'm not going to name. And they really liked the part of the story about being a number one sales rep. But their feedback, if they were going to work with me, they wanted to cut out everything from my personal story. All they wanted was this like cutthroat, badass, how to be a number one. That's really good to me. Mm. So I respectfully declined the opportunity to continue in the process. I mean, I was out thousands of dollars for the agreement that I had of working. And I really did enjoy uh, the author that I worked with. And I enjoyed the experience. I learned a ton. But then it was 2020. I'm like sitting on this manuscript. Like, what am I going to do with this thing? So fast forward two years later, I get an email from Forbes and they're like, hey, we like your stuff, mm-hmm. like your blogs, we like your posts, we like your podcast. You know, we, we're searching for authors to publish. We'd like to meet with you. Like, okay, I would like to take this phone call. <laughs> so <laughs> I hopped on with them and I just wanted to make sure we weren't wasting anyone's time. So I did the initial conversation and I spoke about my whole story and did like a little interview and they're like, no, we're very interested in this. And I said, well, I already have this manuscript and maybe we can work with it. So I sent over the manuscript and their book people read it and they said, "Uh, this book does not match the person that we met. Like, this is a side of you that we're not really, we want the interview. We want the Mary that we interviewed. Like, we want that story, not this manuscript. They want the sugar-coated rainbow version, right? That's ultimately, like, they don't want to show the underbelly of the stuff you went through. Totally. So, I and I was shocked. And I, I like, had to make sure um, they're Forbes, right? So, I said, I am Christian. I will share my testimony in this book. I am going to share the non-glamorous side of being a very hardworking sales professional and entrepreneur because I think people deserve to hear the whole story, not all the fluffy, inspirational, like, you can do it, like, you just pick yourself up. It's like, great, that's good. But like, let's also be honest about when things don't go right and when things are hard. So anyway. Which is a lot. (laughs) It's a lot, right? That's just the nature of life and trying to do excellent things. If you have a big vision for your life, you're going to endure hardship. So I'm, that's one of the reasons why I wanted to have you on the show, Mary, is your willingness to, to speak out about that and share the struggle because that's so important on this journey. It is. So Forbes, we entered into a contract. I actually have a two-book contract with them. I'm, I'm like just getting through one. I don't know what two is going to be, um, but it's here. And I'm excited and it's yeah. shiny. <laughs> the, the cover, that's like, what I was going to say. It looks great too. I love the I love the black and white and that gold there, the clean. Yeah. yeah. The Forbes team is tremendous. Oh my gosh. They're writing team, the designers, but I mean, it is it looks great. really, really yeah. well done. Um I, so you just, pushed back, though, and they agreed, obviously, that, OK, we're going to publish the whole story. Like, what was it that you think kind of shifted their perspective? I think they're looking for diversity in what they're publishing. And they had no one in my category. I mean, mm. Brandon, I don't even know what my category is. <laughs> like, they Honest, are raw, authentic, and faith-based. <laughs> That's... Oh, my gosh. They have me, like, in on Amazon. They have me in 10, I think, categories or 13 categories. One of them is alcohol recovery. I'm actually ranking right now in alcohol recovery, which is amazing because so much of my story is talking about being a child of a raging alcoholic mother and mm. experience that and then my own battle with alcohol. 
And I love that, like I'm ranking that category. I'm like, praise Jesus that mm. that thing can be pulled out from this story and be beneficial for somebody who wants to find a book in that category. Maybe they're a working professional or an entrepreneur, so they see some of the interwoven themes and they can take it more seriously because it's similar to that. But I mean, I'm in Christian categories. I'm in business book categories, <laughs> sales categories. I'm like, I'm like, I don't even know what category I am. Um, but it's okay. Like I'm super grateful for it. But yeah, they just, they wanted diversity in who they were publishing. I think that they've, you know, Forbes Books is like very well known for a lot on the business side and the entrepreneurial side. And I think that this is a great way to show what it looks like, like the reality of, I mean, that's why it says surviving the dark side of success. It's not a cakewalk. Well, they don't show us that even even we don't see that on social media. We don't hear these stories. All we hear are people's success, all the things, just like you were saying, the flowery, sugary. To me, that's in my mind, toxic positivity where you're over. They want to ignore all the, the dark components of things, the challenges, the struggles, because if we're doing things in life that are big, we're going to hit roadblocks. We're going to hit challenge points. We're going to have to reflect on ourselves and, and who we are and what matters to us. And I know that was a big part of your journey is you reached in many ways the pinnacle of the sales world, but you lost yourself in a lot of that, right? Like would you, and because you talked about it now, the, the component of the alcohol, like your alcohol consumption, have you been like, are, are you sober now? Do you have a different relationship with alcohol? Like, because I would love for you yeah, to expand I mean, on I'll that. Walk in, so I want to give you the complete answer here. My mom was a raging alcoholic, abused alcohol every day, and she also had some mental illness. I don't know what, but she was very aggressive and abusive and manipulative, and just her tone and hatred was so strong. So as a young child, I mean, well, even a child into my early 20s, <laughs> hmm. I, I, didn't, I didn't know how to win in that relationship. Everything I ever did was wrong. I was always made out to be the bad guy. I was never good enough. And it, alcohol is, 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 is bad for some people with a disease. And, you know, it really just was like put her in a demonic state. Mm. And it was really tragic growing up in that. So it's actually very surprising that I would even go down the path where I would entertain drinking because of what I saw modeled for me. However, when you're raised in that environment, you are you're familiar with it. And even the abuse, the alcoholism, I mean, my parents were big smokers. They cursed like sailors. I mean, there was a lot of demonic, not good abuse and behavior in my house. And so being raised in that, like as much as I'm like, this isn't good and I should not go down this route, it was what was so familiar for me. And so it actually oddly felt safe. Because mm, it was what oh, you knew is normal. It's what I knew. So yeah. I actually abstained from alcohol um, through high school for the most part. I would sneak out and go party, but I was, I had just the, the fear of my mother. Like if I ever got caught, I'd be murdered, is pretty much what I said. So <laughs> I wanted, though, to have those friends. I wanted that lifestyle. By the way, I was still a straight A student, but. I would sneak out. I'd go to the parties. I'd fake drink, you know, like just portion mm. down this, like hold the cup in my hand, but I wasn't drinking. It wasn't really until um, I turned 18, I got into a really bad car accident. So I was, I grew up trained as a um, classically trained dancer, ballet, tap, jazz, and other forms of dance. I picked up hip hop and break dancing in high school. I became a competitive dancer. I was very talented. I had a part scholarship for CU Boulder. And I had like this whole vision that I was going to finally be able to break free from my family and escape. I had been supporting myself since I was 15. My parents had to file bankruptcy. They lost everything. And so I was going to put myself through school and like, I'm going to do all of this. And then I got in a terrible car accident when I was 18 on April 22nd, the year I was going to graduate. And all of that was taken away from me. And it was devastating. And so I entered into a very, very dark stage of my life. Dance for me was an outlet. I had a very traumatic childhood, but I could I was always very safe in my dance class. And it's a it's a form of expression. It's an art. And so I poured so much into my dancing and something I could control. I <laughs> said there's a lot of emotion in dancing. And 
I love choreographing. I love performing. And I just, my whole heart was in that. And it was such a therapeutic release for me. And it was a very safe place. And so when that was taken away from me, like that was my identity. That was my get out of jail free card. That was my future. And then it was taken away and I really had nothing left. And I had, um, I was forced because of the accident. It was very debilitating for me. I had to live with my parents. And um, my dad was like driving me around to physical therapy. I mean, the whole thing was so difficult, Brandon. Mm. It was such a terrible, terrible time in my life. And I turned to smoking cigarettes, alcohol. And then I was looking for any way possible to get out of my parents' house. And I went down a very, very dark path. And for Four years, I led a very toxic, very destructive lifestyle. Mm. I do not know how at age 22, I came out alive. During that time, I had very questionable jobs. I had um, experienced a lot of different drugs. I was dating a very abusive man who I ended up marrying mm. at a very young age. And I just stepped right into what I grew up in. My dream, my passion, everything of being a professional dancer. And academically, I was so strong in high school and throughout all of my years in education. And I just felt like I had nothing going for me. So all of the verbal abuse and everything that I grew up with from my mother, I was just believing. I'm no good. I have nothing to give. Mm. I'm a failure. And now the one thing I was actually good at is gone. So I'm just going to crawl into a really dark hole. And ultimately, during that time, you know, the world has a lot of things to tempt us. And the world does a really great job of filling our wounds with mm. temporary things that give us that hit, that high, the satisfaction, a glimpse of what love might be. And if we're not careful, we'll consume and consume and consume until it kills us. So for me, like part of my story and relationship with alcohol is when um, I read the job ad for the part, or not part-time, but for the district sales assistant position at the Fortune 1000 payroll company. It was an admin position. I, I had no experience. I was not qualified for this, but I was extended the opportunity and it changed my life. Everything changed. I mean, my manager and um, another manager in the office, his best friend, helped move me out of my abusive ex-husband's house. We lied about a, a travel itinerary and he was at work. Wow. He got me out of that house and like put me in a safe place. Like this company changed my life. I went into sales. I became the number one rep, but I had not healed from mm. the words. So now I'm successful. Well, talk about another drug. Put a 24 year old in as a number one sales rep, making a couple hundred thousand dollars a year. I was like the friend everybody wanted because I made so much money and all my 24 year old friends were not making a lot of money. <laughs> So we'd go to the bar. I'm buying rounds of shots. I'm taking them on trips. Like we're going shopping. We're doing all the things. I'm driving them around in my BMW convertible. And I was so disconnected from reality, blowing through that money that I'm making and I am partying hard. Hmm. And so that relationship with alcohol was really bad for me, but I saw everyone else doing it. So I'm like, well, this must, this version of getting hammered must be okay because like they do it. But the thing is, they weren't broken, wounded birds filling the holes and coping with alcohol. Difference. A huge difference. Huge and, difference. And, and Mary, our, and you know this, our culture has that very party-centered, fun-centered vibes around drinking and, and music and going out. And it sounds like your friends were falling in line with that kind of current, which happens to a lot of us. I've I've hit points, in, but there's a difference between Going, doing the fun thing, floating around, having a light way of living and partying and doing that versus trying to fill that void that has not been healed within yourself. And you're using those things as a as a, an escape in a lot of ways. Yeah. And that's it sounds yeah, like what you were. It was the rock bottom for me. I was uh, 28. Actually, one year. I'm sorry. Let me say that again. Ten. Uh, I got to do the math right. Ten years, <laughs> one month, and one day after my devastating car accident that I had that derailed my dancing career, um, I drove my car on Memorial Day weekend after a night of drinking, and I was in a gated community clubhouse. So I probably drove I don't know like a hundred yards, which is a hundred yards too many um, mm. after drinking. And I drove my beautiful BMW convertible into my neighbor's front porch, <laughs> and um, you know, got it has a really great plan. 
And that got my attention because nothing else was getting my attention. I didn't know him at the time. I was not a Christian woman. In fact, I would, you could catch me outwardly mocking Christianity. Mm. Uh, and God got my attention. It was what needed to happen in order for me. And he protected, you know, the whole scenario. It could have been a lot worse. I could have killed somebody, right? Mm. Like it could have been a lot worse. My neighbor was not home when that happened. And, you know, the damage to their front porch wasn't too bad. Thankfully, I didn't like drive my car into their house, but it uh, was exactly what I needed. And it was the most devastating experience to have to come to terms with the fact that I was an alcoholic and that I was, um, even though I was incredibly successful, because I had started my first company at this point, like I was past the payroll company. I had gone and done a VP of sales and marketing job. I had was one of my clients as an outsourced accounting firm. In seven months, I quadrupled the size of that company. Wow. Like I have a knack for sales and marketing, knack for scaling revenue. It's, it's a great talent. But I'm like, this is awesome. I want to start a company where I get to do this for more startups and entrepreneurs and small businesses. Started my first company. I had a great client list. I had a great track record, super professional, super talented by day. And then that happy hour at three o'clock, four o'clock would roll around. And it was just go time on the drinks until I would like pass out while working and bad. Mm. So to everyone, my life looked so successful. Business mm. owner at 28, you know, blah, 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 blah. and then on the inside, I was so broke mm. in my personal life was a disaster. And so driving that car into the porch was the wake-up call that I needed, the rock bottom that I needed. And I was in absolute denial that I had a drinking problem. And so here I am sitting in jail, starting the detox process. And then when I got bailed out, got home, I asked my friend to come over and I asked him to take all the alcohol out of my house. And I had to sit in the dark. I had a pretty bad concussion. I had to sit in the dark uh, for about four or five days and detoxing and the shakes and the everything that I had, I'm like, how did I do this? How, like, yeah, it was a big awareness. That's the, like, the last it, huh? the thing I ever wanted well. to realize as I was walking down my mother's footsteps, who is like the most awful person. And I knew at that time I needed to make a change. So, yes, I entered into um, my first period of sobriety. And I gave my life to the Lord six months, uh, I'm sorry, seven months to the day after that on Christmas day. And my life forever changed. And I, a lot of who I was had to die so that I could live in my new life. And so I wish I could tell you that that period of sobriety like lasted, um, you know, it lasted for a long time. And then I was in such a right place, like healing and therapy and with my new husband, who is an absolute gift from God. Oh, he, I just, this man is unbelievable. And I had this new life and I was very much more healed. And so I wanted to see if I could have a different relationship with alcohol because I wanted mm. to like have, enjoy a glass of wine. Like, can I do that? And so I did. Um, you know, for a while. And it was a very seemingly healthy relationship, very controlled. But I did notice that I would back off and be like, I think I'm consuming too much. So I'd enter into like six months sobriety and I'd drink a little bit and then enter into another. But it wasn't until I started my second company, the one that I just exited from, where I started to notice again that I was developing a problem. And mm. it really... <clears throat> Like when COVID hit and uh, we all didn't have to drive or travel anymore, I was like, well, cool, I can drink at night and sleep it off, you know, in the morning. And I realized I was taking it a little bit too far. But you know what was interesting what happened this time around is it started to affect my anxiety. And I started to, um, and a lot of it too, I had a, my baby. And so I think a lot of it was like postpartum depression mixed with inability to cope with alcohol, which was really creating more of a fire inside of me and inability to manage anxiety. So it really started to go down a bad path. And so, yes, yet again, um, I woke up January 1st of 2021 and I, I entered into a, a journey of sobriety, got back on the wagon, had, uh, didn't work out, went sober again. <laughs> it's like, so really at this point, um, it's something that 
I'm still figuring out and exploring. But for the majority, yeah, I don't, you know, I don't drink, but I just, it's really interesting because there could be a time when I want to have a glass of wine with my husband and it literally is perfect and fine and there's no issue. And then other times it can really, um, you know, impact other things. So here's, here's the skinny. I'm listening to myself talk and I'm like, wow, that sounds ridiculous. And you'll probably like in the book, you can hear and read these themes. But I think one day, like it would be great to have a healthy relationship, but I'm also fine without it. Like I was at a killer party last night, but never startup week and my bartender there's mixing up some mocktails for me. Like I'm very proud, you know, to not fall into that and, and to have, uh, you know, more control over it. Long answer. I just feel like it's important to be honest because I also feel like there's a lot of people out there who have a lot of pride in boasting in their journey with sobriety. And I also want to be real. Like, I would love a day that I can enjoy a glass of wine with my husband. And it's literally just that. Like, many people enjoy that. And I think, like, I'm mostly there right now. And I don't see any issues. I just have this apprehension because I'm concerned. I'm like, I've just had a pattern in the past and I don't want it going to that level. Thankfully, the days of like binge drinking and out of control, that's gone. That has not resurfaced in my life, which I'm super grateful for. And by the way, I have never had one drop of alcohol and been behind the wheel since my accident. So if I ever do choose to have a glass, I will never drive. That is the most irresponsible thing. Now that like I've been through it, I, and even when I was a CEO and ran my company, I told everybody, put the Uber, put the overnight parking on your corporate card. Nobody drives. Yeah. Nobody drives tonight. Like I will not allow it. And even at events, I'd see someone, I'm like, you please just park your, leave it. Where is it parked? Take an Uber. I will pay for it. it. (laughs) There is nothing worse. It's at all. Nope. Of driving after having alcohol. So anyway, that's my PSA. (laughs) <laughs> no, and I appreciate you saying that, Mary. And honestly, the the your vulnerability and your openness is refreshing because there are a lot of people out there that may be listening that also can relate to similar journeys to what you're experiencing. You know, my wife has a dynamic with alcohol that she's had to to manage and figure out very similar to what you're doing. Not to I'll say this, you you and this is a testament to the work that you've done. You really hit a very low point what you're describing which is why i appreciate you sharing that because it's when we what i've learned and what we come to see is when we when we lean into faith there's nothing that we can't overcome when we when we lean in to our creator like we can we can take all these hardships and transform them into inspirational stories and i think for you you're an instrument in that way like showing how far you can fall and how far you can rise from the depths of hell ultimately really cuz you know, we create our own hells on earth based on a lot of the lessons that we're here to learn. And and I appreciate you being honest about it because knowing that there's a lot of people that struggle with this and particularly new moms, the postpartum component interlaying with anxiety, being a new mom, the dynamic of being a mom in the professional world. There's all this stuff that y'all have to work out that I think men have no clue about. I've seen, I've, I saw my wife go through it, like her postpartum and alcohol relationship, all those things like, and then the inner, like fusing in faith to it. That's really been a launching point for her to help kind of move through a lot of this stuff, which, cause I would love for you to share for you, Mary, like what's, has that been the distinction? Cause you mentioned earlier, like, it sounds like you have meaning and, and purpose in your life now, which sounds like that shifted. Once you found faith, you committed your life to Christ and and that changed for you. You're still ebbing and flowing with your relationship with alcohol, which is fair, right? But the fact that you're open about it, to me, is that helps because you're not in denial about your past. You also know that, but it's also not unreasonable to want to have a glass of wine every now and then with your husband that you love, you know? So, but I appreciate your self-awareness to it. But for you though, what was the, what do you think is that underlying piece that's really made the difference, I guess, in that 10 year period since you've kind of move forward when you were 28 so becoming a christian is the greatest thing in the whole world (laughs) i am so grateful uh, that i woke up one day and just realized that i had no more options left that i had legitimately exhausted every possible way of finding happiness Mm. 
And I am so, so, so grateful for that day. And I called uh, my pastor friend and I was very distraught. And I was sitting outside of his apartment door. It was like five degrees outside on Christmas day. Hey, what are you doing? You know, like, <laughs> like, what are you doing? Why is she texting me? What's going on? You know, and he figured out I was outside the door. I just, you know, he opened that door. I, I couldn't even stand or walk. I just, I came in, like, just, just collapsed really in the entryway and crying on the floor. I mean, it was just the absolute death of myself. There was nothing left. And it mm. was the perfect time for Jesus to come in and to fill me with, his spirit and all of the goodness. He <laughs> literally opened the Bible and like, let's read this together. You know, <laughs> like page one. <laughs> <laughs> That's like, yes. That's awesome. And I, I went to church shortly thereafter and um, the same church I did, you know, attend today. And they were singing about love on the, you know, for worship and, they have all these words up on the screen and I was so confused, Brandon. I'm like, that's not the love I know. Mm. That's not love. I was just dumbfounded and I'm confused. I'm like, this is it had to be a lie. I'm like, there's how could something or someone unconditionally say that they that they love and care for someone else because in my whole life leading up to that point that it never like really once been the case and I didn't have anything modeled for me that was good and I just remember sorry I just it was a really hard realization for me that something like that existed and so for the first time, just bringing that and welcoming that into my life was really, truly like the first time that I believed that someone or something could love me and that I was worth it, worth their love, even though like aside from anything else, aside from performance, just like my big thing, performance-based love, um, even though all of my flaws and mistakes and my rap sheet I just I remember reading the words and I was just dumbfounded and then this emotion came over me and the tears just running down my face and you know they're like okay let's enter into this quiet time for prayer and I'm just sitting there I'm like okay I'm gonna figure this thing out like how do you pray <laughs> you know and I'm just sitting there and it was really like the first time I just opened my heart and I'm like I'm gonna try this thing out I'm gonna have a conversation with this father that I don't know Mm. and I'm just I'm gonna say like I want to know you and what does that look like it's just like so many years of pain and trauma and striving and failure it's gone it's beautiful Mary it beautiful. just it goes and it's gone and it's forgiven and it just washes away yeah it's beautiful and I searched for that moment for my whole life leading up to that moment. I searched for that. That's what I was looking for. I tried to find it in success, in a career. I tried to, to cope and mask with drugs, alcohol. I tried to find it in relationships and friendships. I tried to find it in everywhere that this world could offer me anything. Like I really felt like I left no stone and turned it all. By the time I was 28 years old, 29 years old, and in one instant, all of that forgiveness could flood my body. And I knew at that moment that my life was going to be very, very different. Mm -hmm. And I really had to commit to giving up the ways of my past. I had to weed the garden. I had to <laughs> say goodbye to a lot of friendships. I had to um, refocus what I was doing in my career. I needed to get with the right people, surround myself, put myself in the right environment. and. The moment that that started happening, it's like as if God just reached down, grabbed my hand, and said, let's go. Like, mm. my new life is here. And he has never let me down, never disappointed, 
even the hardships that I have been through, which there have been plenty, like the cool part about it now is like I've had pain, suffering and hardship, but it was for no gain because it was all led by me in the driver's seat. It was uh, just a path leading me down of death and destruction. And it was everything that it was me worshiping the world and the status and the money and the recognition and everything I could get. This is different. Now, when I have hardship and hard times, there's such a beauty because that's actually when my relationship with God is the best because I depend on him and I lean on him and he helps me through it and he speaks to me through it. And I have a best friend through the process. And you know, the best part is I get refined through that. I can't be who I was created to be if I don't let him do the work through me. And I raise my hand every day to him and I say, pick me, pick me, pick me. I'm a survivalist. I'm tough. I'm mostly fearless. I have some (laughs) rough days. I'm mostly furious, but I'm a warrior for Christ. Like, put me in. I will do this. And some of those instances, you know, have really taken me to low points that he's always there with me. He never leaves me. And together, we get to do things that are pretty incredible. Lives are changed for the first time because I'm in the marketplace. It's like my ministry in the marketplace. For the first time, some people who are exposed to me, they get to experience the love and light of Jesus. They get to experience the hands and feet of Jesus through me because I said yes. Mm -hmm. And he gets to use me. And even when there are days, like I said, I have been through hardship. It takes me down to like the end of myself again. (laughs) And you can see in the scripture, there are several examples of that happening. I mean, Elijah is one. Look at the life of Job. Like nobody wants that life, but how faithful was he? You look at Joseph. Joseph did all the right things and he still got put in prison. Not for two days, like years. Mm -hmm. And he still remained faithful. And then because of all of that came other opportunities and the opportunity to lead and to carry a nation through a famine. And like God has a plan. And it's not like you become a Christian and then you're like, hey, where's all my puppies and sunshine? Where's my perfect wife and my wealth? And I, it's like nowhere in the Bible does it say, but what it is, is it's a worthy cause. And I have learned that even through hardship now, I have so much peace in my heart and I know that I am loved and I know that I was created on purpose with intention and it is with great pride and satisfaction that I get to abide in him and have the obedience to being a good servant, a good steward and a warrior for him, the gospel in his good name. And you know what? I get to do it in the marketplace. Brandon, I don't know what your question was. No, it's amazing. I, well, you, I mean, you answered it and it's, it's because Mary, that's the thing that's amazing is when I struggled to come into my faith, to surrender myself to our creator, because I thought that that meant I was going to live a life that I didn't desire or wasn't going to be something that I enjoy or wasn't aligned with all the things that I felt in my heart. But what I come to realize is that all those things that I felt in my heart were what God has envisioned for me in my life. And when we surrender we're actually opening the door to the greatest possible path in life that we can live. And all those struggles, all those challenges are the things that steal us to make us strong, to make us powerful. And they're such blessings. But without that faith, without that relationship to our creator, it's really hard to ever reach that point. Because I, like you, have gone, turned over every stone on earth to find fulfillment and meaning in my life. And all I found was emptiness, isolation, fear, loneliness, all of those things. And it wasn't until I tapped in within, connected to our creator and realized that that love has always existed within me. It's always been there. And now, just like you said, you once you find, you feel that acceptance in yourself, you feel that unconditional love, not performance-based love, not conditional scenarios. You realize like, we are truly loved for all that we are. We are created in, in the image of our creator. And we're here to live with purpose and intention and to live as fierce warriors. Like our story is reflected in Christ's journey. You know, the his life, the struggle, the absolute insane level of dedication to our creator that Christ lived in his life, the way he lived every day. And then the sacrifice that he made for all of us to give up. And then the resurrection, like all those things are our story too. Like it's it's in us. And, and that's the journey that we go on is that resurrection. And you were resurrected in, in that you, you died, you died a, a birth or death on, on earth, and then you were resurrected in the spirit. And, but what, what 
I think many people, and I felt this too for so long, is you think that you lose yourself when you do this, but you gain everything that you are more than you can imagine. And meaning and purpose, that picture behind you is so distracting because it looks like a painting. It's amazing. Like it just, when you turn, it's God's work. It's beautiful. But but that we we have this idea that we're surrendering surrendering ourselves when we do that, but it's actually the opposite. We connect with who we truly are. We connect with the soul and spirit of all that we are. And we allow the the energy of our career to flow through our life, and we have the privilege to to share that with the world, whatever that may be. All of us have different work, different avenues, different pathways. You're a revenue officer, like you you wouldn't connect. You know, people assume that. The only work that you can do that's spiritual is being being a minister or going overseas. And that's it's not all when we bring spirit into our life, that means everything we touch becomes sacred and the potential to be sacred in the way that we operate. And if if we recognize that, we transform the world because all of us now are bringing that energy into everything that we do. The most mundane, minute, simple, ordinary things can become powerful and transformative when we bring that spirit to life. Well, you know, what's so interesting on that is I believe that there's a very big movement right now bringing Christianity to the forefront, potentially not Christianity like some people may have experienced in the past. Like many people have been hurt by Christians. And I I need to remind people that all people, Christians included, saved Christians are broken sinners. None of us us. are Jesus Christ. Mm -mm. He was the one and only, the one and only. That's why he's the king. Life free of sin. And even those of us who have given our heart to the Lord and we abide in him and we're obedient when we take up our cross daily, we will make mistakes. We will falter. And there's a reason why. Because we were created to be ultra dependent on him. And if we reached the point of salvation where we were saved and then all of a sudden we were Jesus, then we wouldn't be dependent on our creator and we wouldn't be dependent on him. Like, I hate to break it to you. This isn't everybody's world. This is his world. He created this. This is his creation. And we were created to play a role in that, like a video game, okay? Mm-hmm. We created the video game and we each have our role in our part. There's nowhere in the video game where it's like, I'm going to become God. And so many people like go down that very destructive path and the world gives you so much temptation to make you believe that you could be all powerful in yourself. But at the end of the day, you'll never succeed. Because there's only one all-powerful creator. There's God himself. And there was only one human that lived without sin. And that's Jesus Christ. We will always fall short. You don't become a Christian to follow Christians. You become a Christian to follow Jesus. Exactly. we're clear. So if anybody's been hurt by Christians, been burned through the church, please remember those are broken sinners, many well-intentioned, some awfully intentioned Mm -hmm. bad people. Bad actors, just like there's bad actors in the police force, okay, and in executive positions and in other trusted positions. I get it. I grew up in a life of abuse. Okay, people's parents can be bad actors. Like, they're everywhere. But don't turn away from an entire movement that's happening right now, another Jesus revolution happening right now, to the likes of... Tim Tebow, Coach Prime here with the CU bus oh, here dude, in Colorado. People it. who are so outwardly spoken in their faith, big name celebrities who are putting everything on the line when really Christianity is facing so much cancel culture with everything that's going on. And like, look, at the core of it, a true, 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 true Christian is going to be the light and love of Jesus. Like it says in Matthew and channeling that out. And that is my goal. Am I going to make mistakes? By golly, I'm going to make mistakes, Brandon. I'm type A. I'm high urgency. I'm super <laughs> stubborn. I'm, I'm 11 years-ish, 10 years-ish into being a Christian. Guess what? That's only like a third of my life. So I have, I have a lot more of a track record of being a very, very broke sitter. So I still make mistakes. Okay. But there's an element that we can work through. And what I bring forth in my leadership as a faith-based leader, like the one thing I don't do is show up quoting scripture. I used to do that when I ran my company because I can do whatever I want. But I work for someone else now. So <laughs> in my leadership position, like I, you know, because I respect what people have. We have people in other religions that are on our team. I fully respect that. It is not my place to sit here and preach and all of that. But what I can do is through acts, I can demonstrate what it's like 
to have the fruit of the Spirit, which is to be kind, merciful, gracious, have self-control, to love, and to have patience. And as a leader, I can't think of a great leader that I've ever worked for that doesn't have those things. I had a call with the president of our company this morning. I teared up on the call. She did one of the most humbling, kind, merciful things. And I've been a revenue executive for, for five and a half years, going on six years. And let me tell you how many CEOs and presidents are kind and merciful and forgiving. Not yeah. to the revenue leaders. And this woman, I have so much respect for her. She, she, I'm very unexpected. And I just sat there like, I knew I liked you. <laughs> this tiny little act of kindness and forgiveness and mercy and what she extended to me and how it opened up a conversation for some changes that we can make. Like everything's going to transform inside of our company because she stood up in the name of love, forgiveness. She's a believer too, you know, mercy, forgiveness, love, all the first of the spirit. She stood up in that name, in Jesus' name, without coming to the meeting and scripture and like, in brand like, tell me, you know, to, no, she just is. She just is those things. And now from within, like our company is going to be able to be transformed from within and do the thing because we, our hearts are centered on him. Like this is actually an okay thing to do is to be Christian and to be a leader. Because there's actually some really great qualities. So like when people see, you know, I, I want to be like Tim Tebow, not the muscles, <laughs> but the heart and the unapologetic Christianity and the influence and the, it's okay. It's okay to explore this and to be curious of what it is, even if our parents of the church or someone that you know is hurt by somebody in the church or a Christian, or maybe you've read a news article that is like blaming a Christian group or something like really nasty and bad and awful, like uh, for something that a church made a statement around homosexuality or something like, just stop. Go experience it for yourself. Do not rely on humans to tell you. Exactly. Jesus, go talk to the guy. Yeah. <laughs> like, pick up the Bible, read the word, let the Lord speak to you through the word. Go sit in prayer. Go quiet yourself. Go meditate. Go be in nature. Go have a conversation. He is waiting for you. And I promise you, he will not disappoint. That's it. Amen, Mary. Honestly, I love that because that, that that's the honest overarching message of my show is that all of that is within us. Our creator is within us. And I talk about this a lot. People confuse the church with our relationship with our creator. Just like you've said, all those things are humans. Humans run churches. Humans created churches and organizations. So when the argument against Christianity is around the organization of Christianity. That's not what I'm talking about. There's tons of examples where people have misused that power, as you mentioned. Don't make the mistake. Don't rob yourself of the relationship that you can have with our creator by, by associating those two things as one. They are not one. Humans are fallible. We're all sinful creatures. We all make mistakes. We all do bad things. That's just the We're here learning. We're growing. But don't correlate those mistakes with our creator because someone did something dumb like a preacher or a church. That doesn't mean it's our God. And so you have to distinguish those things. I love that you said that because if you don't, you're shutting yourself off from all the glory, all the power, all the love, all the goodness that comes with that relationship. Because people don't realize how much power comes from this relationship either. Not like in the but like the inner holy I am come at me like that type of there's a strength, a confidence that you carry within yourself that cannot be taken from you. And when you experience that and so many people don't experience it, but when you do experience it, just as you said, you don't have to run around preaching scripture and preaching. You live by example. You lead by example. You become the thing that you know lives in your heart and you share that with everyone you touch. And then that leads them. Those are little seeds that you're dropping everywhere. Yeah. It's, it's, and honestly, Mary, that's like one of my favorite things to do over the years is just dropping little seeds and sharing a little bit of, you know, I, I openly wear my cross, but like I, and then I, I treat people with respect. I treat other humans like they're my brothers and sisters in Christ because they are, they are my, we are brothers and sisters, whether 
someone believes that or not is their decision. But from my perspective, we're all one spiritual family. So when you live your life that way and people interact with you in that way, that's what they come to know. And then when you connect that to the fact that you're a faith-oriented person, we can start to shift their perspective around our creator, the relationship that, that exists there. And ideally, the perceptions that are, are incorrect, frankly, about what it means to be connected to our creator. Yeah, the power is a real thing. I feel expanding on that for a second would, would be good because when people are new to Christianity or not really understanding, like, what are the benefits of this thing? I'm a salesperson, <laughs> right? Let's talk about the benefits. <laughs> Let's do it. I like it. There is a power. There's a power to overcome. There's a power that comes from inner peace that's completely unexplainable. There's, there's, when you're connected to the creator at this level, because we are created in his image, and when we channel everything through him, when that connection is just there and it's pure, I have energy to do things. Words flow from me that I, that was him. <laughs> that wasn't me. There's, there's, there's power, like almost like a superhero, right? You'd see in Marvel, like something's being literally channeled through me because the days where I'm tired, run down, not connected with him, didn't spend time in, in prayer or meditation, or I'm just letting Mary be in the driver's seat and I'm taking over my life and not including him in it, which I still do. Guess what? Those days, I don't have the power. Those mm. days feel really defeating. And then I lay my head down at night and I, I, I lay and, and speak to him in repentance. I apologize. You know, I, I took the ambition today without you. My flesh decided that I was good today, God, and I got this one. You mm. go help other people. I got this one, you know, which is a lie. And it's the enemy that feeds us that lie. And there's there's so much when you say take up your cross daily, like if anyone's ever heard that, it means entering into the day in humility to admit I am a broken sinner. And without him, I cannot fill in the blank literally everything else in the day. My flesh can only take me so far. My earthly body can only take me so far without him. Not all things are possible and potentially even getting through this day. The days that I do not plug into the source in the morning and even sometimes throughout the day and recenter myself and sit in prayer in between meetings. Like, I don't know what people think that means. Like, I'm not on my hands and knee, you know, my knees. I'm not like sitting here. Oh, Lord, our father who art in heaven. Although I love that prayer. I do say that a lot. But it's it's literally just pleading. You know, it's an open posture to him. Like, please help me in this next meeting. Like, off today, I'm not feeling it. I don't think that I did, did right by this person in the last meeting. Like, I need you because something is off today. Like, guide my word. Be with me in this next meeting because it's important. And your will be done, not mine. Work through me. You know, it's amazing just those moments in between meetings. And then all of a sudden, I have this great meeting. And, you know, hopefully my knee could go ahead. Then step in and pat myself on the back, right? Like, glory be to God. It's literally that simple mm -hmm. to channel the power of him. My life is so much better and so much worth living with him. And I hope that that, that is the takeaway. This isn't like a cult. It's not going to church and like no. drinking the wine and like signing up for the small group and attending the new members luncheon like those are all like things that you can do to build community which i think are great and varies by church but it's here it's here yep it's in us it's here it's here yep and it's unbelievably life-changing it really is and i love that you say that mary because it's it's we overcomplicate it i overcomplicate it i do the same thing now i have conversations with our creator every day moments the same thing you just described when i'm struggling i i mean i do it multiple times a day father please provide me your guidance your wisdom your strength your courage to navigate the day whatever comes before us because but before i was like you i've got this i can figure it out i'll do everything on my own and god's just laughing because i was struggling i never it's 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 just so interesting how that can be challenging. And I think it's, it really can be simple. And I invite people to do this, just as you said earlier, you know, go in nature, take walks, just 
Gosh. Find moments in meditation. Realize that God is in us. God is all around us. And that if we want those things, explore it. And I can promise you, it doesn't mean that you're giving up. You you will have to probably get up parts of your life that are not serving you and serving your mission on earth. That's absolutely true. Like I've given up a lot of things as well for like, so not to, I don't want to go super into this, but Mary, just as a, an example, because you've, you struggle with yep. alcoholism. I was addicted to porn and very broken around my sexuality, all that kind of stuff that had really warped my mind in many ways. I've been free from that for over four years now, it's completely changed my relationship with my wife, although at the time we were not married, but like all this stuff has changed. So those are things, they're absolutely things that will fall away in our life. Relationships may fall away, habits may fall away, but they're uplifting us. They're bringing us to a place that we can't imagine. Our highest version of our existence on earth lives in our creator. And that's what is possible when we open our heart and we invite him into our world. But that's the thing. We have to choose our creator. God does not force his way. Like he, he sometimes may have to smack us and wake us up like he does. He's done with you. He's done with me. But it's always a choice. We have those moments to decide. Do I continue on the path that I'm living of self-destruction? Or do I pivot and open myself and surrender and take a humble position and say, I can't do this without you. When I stop trying to figure everything out, anytime I'm like, I don't know, God, tell me, you, what, what do we need to do? Show me the way. What's the best job? What's the best place? Whatever it is. Like, I don't, I don't know anymore. I'm here as a vessel. You tell me. But it's that, that path, that way of operating is, it's truly life-changing. And, and it brings you more of what's in your heart. It brings you more of what you desire. And I think that's, that's where we often skip, miss up a little bit, mess up a bit, is we think that we're losing ourselves and that there will be things that fall away, but we find so much more that the treasure truly is within us. And, and Christ has planted that, our Creator has planted that in our hearts, and it's there for all of us. So, Mary, before I, I got one final question for you. I know we got, we're getting close on time here, but. Yeah. As a faith-based leader in a world that isn't necessarily super open about faith-oriented people, um, what would you say is maybe some tips or things that you've learned in your career to just be a little more open about it? We've talked about it some, but maybe a, a takeaway. Yeah, so for me, I want to make sure I'm consistent because I do think that lack of consistency also hurts Christianity. I think mm. that if people see you one way one day or hear you speaking one way one day and then you're not the next day, that's confusing. So I think taking on the name of, of Jesus and proclaiming your faith-based leader puts a lot more eyes on you mm. because it's almost as if like you're they're waiting for you so they can be like, aha, I knew it. I knew you met, I knew Christianity wasn't the answer. You know, like there's there's skeptics out there and mm -hmm. they're they're waiting for it to be proven for them. So consistency is key. Accountability is key. So when I mess up, because that happens, <laughs> I take accountability for it and I call it out. I was not a very kind person on our sales meeting a few weeks back. We weren't hitting our number. I was disappointed that some of the reps weren't taking the playbooks, the things that were built, putting them in action. And rather than speaking kindly or getting to the root cause of why, which really was more so of just a confusion in the message and a time management issue, like what are we prioritizing? I didn't go troubleshoot and solve the problem or understand why. I was a little frustrated. And so I took a very, very strong approach. I'm a passionate person on the meeting. And I, and I had a bit of a sharp tongue. And I left that meeting and pink. It's not how I want to communicate. That is not how I want to be known. That is not how I want to lead. Mm -hmm. The flesh took over. I have to make this right because accountability is critical. We all know we're going to make mistakes. And so I actually sent one-to-one messages to every sales team member. Mm. And I acknowledged it. And I said, I wasn't my best self on the meeting today. I apologize for, for my tone and the escalated passion. I'm competitive. I strive to win. And I was frustrated after looking at the numbers that we weren't there. But I understand this is not the way to solve this problem. I reached out individually. And then I also addressed it on the next call. Mm. 
Mm. and opened up with that I was going to take a different approach on this and really where we came over the last week when I started to identify alongside my amazing sales manager. I'm not going to take credit for the work that she did to truly uncover why we weren't doing the things that we needed to do. So that is on her. She's wonderful. Mm. And I cannot do my job without her. Shout out. (laughs) Credit to her. She did all of that. But then I was able to communicate and then able to take it forward. So I think accountability is critical. If you are going to be operating in the name of Jesus and labeling yourself as a Christian, it is your responsibility as it is mine that we also build the culture around us where people can see the mistakes will be made, but forgiveness is an okay Mm -hmm. thing, especially when there's a very genuine acknowledgement and apology and we can build an environment of forgiveness and mercy, which I think are two things that sales departments need more. (laughs) So anyway, accountability Mm -hmm. is And I think that owning it is critical because there are too many people waiting for you to fail as a Christian or waiting for it so they can go, aha, I knew it. Mm. Like, don't let that happen. You know, just be forward about it. So I think that that's a really big takeaway for faith-based leaders um, in addition to what we spoke about earlier. Yeah, that's great, Mary. So just being accountable, being open, being humble when we make those mistakes, I think our, our society as a whole would do well to embrace humility more with, it's just... It's a superpower. It really can be because it's it's interesting. Humility brings more power to us in a, in a lot of ways. It brings power to our being. It brings power to the way we solve problems. So, but anyway, that's that's a fantastic takeaway. Well, Mary, this has been an absolute pleasure having you on the show. I'd love to have you on at some point again in the future to continue diving in. I'm going to be watching your journey. I know it's exciting. But before we part ways, is there any message you'd like to share with the audience so where can people get in touch with you you're a revenue officer at a payroll company but like what do you want to share with the audience no i thank you for opening that up because i really would i'd like to just briefly share what i'm working on and where i'm going because i would love the support of this community because if i've learned anything i cannot do this on my own Mm. first and foremost this book please buy it if you (laughs) want to hear any more of this story um, if you purchase it, it's, it's in 39,000 retailers or something crazy. Every bookseller um, has it, major bookseller. But if you buy it on Amazon, that's what I would prefer because you can buy it anywhere. I know people like, well, they're, you know, certain bookstores, but I need 90 verified reviews in 90 days in order for this book to get the traction that it needs to continue to rank. So it's not just based on purchases. I'm learning how this thing works. So I need verified reviews. Even if you hate it, please leave me a one-star review and tell me it was the worst book you ever read. I'm okay with that. I can take that feedback. Um, this probably isn't for everybody, but I do need verified reviews, 90 and 90 days. That would be one of the most impactful things that you could do for me. Number two, marygrothy.com is going to get a facelift. I'm actually working with brand builders right now to write new keynotes. I've been a keynote speaker for years, but it's always been like how CEOs build high-performing sales teams Mm. and how CEOs build holistic revenue engines. And that stuff is good and I can do it. I love my full-time job. Like I get to do that during the day. But in my personal brand and my speaking career and everything that I'm building, I want to be on different stages. And so my my ask is if you're a part of association, a group, your church, whatever, where you think my story from a motivational speaker aspect or the faith-driven aspect or any of it would be beneficial, I am very humbly seeking opportunities to rebuild my brand on the stage. I just don't know where that audience is, which is why I like I'm working with a team. I could go find plenty of places to talk about sales, <laughs> but I need to go in a new direction. So I'm just humbly asking because my hope is that somebody knows of a thing. That they can be like, Mary would be a good fit for this. Like, thank you in advance. I would greatly appreciate it. I want to build a really neat future where I get to spread the good news of the gospel. And, and I would love some introductions. So if, if I may ask that, that would be great. Also connect with me on Instagram or LinkedIn or Twitter. Um, all my handles are Mary Grothy, except for Twitter is Mary L. Grothy. Because apparently <laughs> we're Mary Grothy out there. But thank you so much, Brandon. Um, awesome the privilege spending this time with you. Oh, that's great, Mary. I appreciate that. We'll make sure to link to everything that you just mentioned in the show notes as well. I'm going to pick up a copy of your book and leave you a review. Um, (laughs) I want to share it with my wife as well. But I think I love that you're the pivot you're taking in your career, I think is your personal brands. I I know the way God works. It's already taken off. I can see it. Like I'm excited for your future and what you're working on and the impact you're going to make in your communities and the organizations that you're a part of. So Mary, I really do appreciate you coming on. This has been awesome. 
I hope the audience has enjoyed these conversations. As y'all know, we talk about a variety of topics on Order Within, all dealing with the inner world and, and how we connect to the world around us, our creator, how do we become the best versions of who we are. And I feel like there was a lot of enlightening material around that. So the, the long short is there's a ton of power in our connection with our creator. Don't confuse that with the church, though, is the whole thing. Like, just just be in there. Again, that's not against the church. As Mary said earlier, we're not against that. But remember that this relationship is personal. It comes from within us, and it's possible for all of us. So I certainly appreciate your eyes, your ears, your time. And until next time, y'all. Thank you for listening to Order Within. If you found the episode helpful, please consider sharing, rating, and subscribing. New episodes will be released every Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Until next time, y'all.